And now I'd like to invite to the stage our senior minister. Please help me welcome Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. That was quick. All right. Thank you. Look at that. Dr. Gans, thank you. I was like, I moved all that after this first service. Because I, well, I, when people throw stuff at me, I can protect myself, and I didn't need it, so I just moved it. I'm just kidding about that now. All right. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Here we are. I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to stand and sing with me, and if you'd like to stay seated, that's not a bad thing either. So wherever you're comfortable, let's sing a song and and let's um, say a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, very room in this very room in this very room and so I invite you to just become fully present in this moment and for me it's always the breath that helps me do that as I just turn my awareness to my breathing, feel my lungs rise and release the breath, I'm reminded of the presence of this infinite unseen intelligence that supports each and every one of us, that animates life, that is that unseen force for good. And in our recognition of it in our own hearts, and I invite you to open yourself in this moment to how that portal of awareness that is unique to you, whether it's through thinking, whether it's through the feeling, whether it's through uh, remember, remembrance, whatever it may be, whatever the modality is that brings you to that awareness, we celebrate it and honor it, and let's step through that gateway, that portal this, this day together, knowing that that life that we are courting in this moment is the one life and it is truly our life it is that deep inner well of being of knowing of expressing and so I just give thanks in this moment for the remembrance of this I give thanks in a world that seems at times to want us to go faster and faster and many times not really knowing where we're going but we're making great time to know that here and now is the only moment this eternal moment that we plant 
the seeds of possibilities with every thought. May I and I support you in your awakening and awareness in a new level, a new way of being, at a, at a new awareness and expansion of perception that allows our lives to be transformed. This is our opportunity each and every day. I give thanks that the blessings awaiting our attention are already here. For this I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Beautiful. We, um, Friday night we did a movie here called uh, People versus a State of Awareness. Thank you. Illusion. State of illusion. See? It's a good thing you're sitting there. What else am I going to say? <laughs> Thank you, Reverend Connie. Um, and, and it was wonderful. And, and so I want to uh, review a bit of it because I was really about talking about the nature of change today, which is inspired by doing some of this work with the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, and she's, it's a wonderful book. Um, I highly recommend it to anybody that's a parent or a teacher, or if you're alive on the planet, I would highly recommend it. <laughs> so, and in the book, it, um, in the movie, they begin by talking about stress, and that all species, including us, is, is equipped for stress. And so animals are equipped, they have a certain capacity to deal with stress in the environment, and we are, we are um, the thing that's unique about us is that we're equipped as well, and what we can do, what we've been, we've been given dominion in our ability to choose what we think. And so the movie really focused on that in a beautiful way, and if you haven't seen it, I would recommend that you, you eventually um, bring yourself to it, and of course there's no emergency, but when you're ready to see it, I'm sure it will sh appear in your experience. We actually invited the producer and the writer to join us in Edmonton. He's he actually from Calgary, and we invited him to has a standing invitation to come and be with us at some point in time. But in this idea of stress, for us, we have the capacity to futurize about uh, events. We can forecast events in our thinking. And it's one of the beautiful things about our capacity to think and to plan and to be creative. But what happens for many people is that when we, we are in a constant state of, of stress, because our forecasting is one of doom and gloom, it can lead us to disease in our lives. It has a, it has a, a, a quickening of deterioration in our capacities, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So, so chronic stress will, will lead us down the pathway to something that we probably aren't interested in, in experiencing, but the body is not, the body is equipped, we are equipped for, to deal with stress. We are not equipped to deal with stress constantly. And so when we do this, and so one of the ways that we, we can um, nurture ourselves better is to have spiritual practice in our lives that helps assist us in not making that one of our main uh, activities. And one of the things they talked about in the movie is the shifting of, of, of from content. The shift from content, well, number one, the shift from content to connection. So in relationships, many times, um, Thomas More, a wonderful, wonderful uh, therapist, and Laura and I actually spent some time with him in uh, Rhinebeck, New York, at the Omega Institute a few years back. We were there for another event, and he was speaking on a Saturday night, and he just gave this wonderful talk. But he's in the movie talking about how in marriages, he does a lot of work with couples, that in marriages, when, you, when the focus is on the content, that, well, my partner's not a good partner because she doesn't like 
spirituality or she doesn't like football or she doesn't like hockey or she or my partner from the female perspective you know he doesn't like the ballet or you know I'm of course it's stereotypes I'm talking about but but so it's all about the content of the relationship when in fact what Thomas More is saying it's really about the connection in relationship can we be in relationship with one another and love and nurture one another despite the content despite our preferences and and you know so it's it's really a wonderful little slight shift in perception but what happens for us as we go along, and many of us know this, is that, uh, that our focus is so exterior, the content, that when we start to do our interior work, it feels foreign to us. Having, you know, I don't go, many of us don't even have an inward life. When I, we were doing the prayer, that's why I took a moment to just to honor the breath and where the breath will take us. Because it's in those space, the spaciousness between the thoughts many times where the, where the, the gem is, where the gift is. And so the, the um, capacity to have the awareness about that is so important. In that film, it said that we perceive, as a species, we perceive 1% of the stimulus that's, that we're, 1% of the stimulus that's available to us. 1% of the content that's available to us. And so waking up, I, th- I believe, is a capacity to, and perhaps that, that 1% never expands, maybe that's enough. But what it is also is the, the understanding and awareness that I get to choose what 1% I look at. I get to decide what's, what I'm going to pour my, uh, what I'm going to give my attention to. Because we can get, we can get tied to other people's perceptions. And then, and then that becomes our identification. There's a wonderful story in the Mindset book by Carol Dweck about how his children, and it comes from the work of... Um, Dr. Carl Rogers in the mid-1900s, and he talks about how, as children, what we can do to find a way to adapt and, and survive within the family unit is to create identities for ourselves that allow us to be in that environment. He said that what, what they believe is that young children feel insecure about being accepted by their parents, and I think that's natural. We want to, we want to please our parents. And they, with, it, with that, we create stress, great anxiety. They feel lost and alone in a complicated world. And since they're only a few years old, they simply can't reject their parents and say, I don't think I, I, don't think I need you guys. I'll just go it alone here. But they have to find a way to feel safe and to win their parents over. And I can identify with this story. This was one of my strategies. And I think it's a very popular strategy. Both uh, researchers, it was uh, psychologist Karen Horney and Carl Rogers, and worked on this together, and both of them said that that uh, that children do this by creating an imagined other selves, one that their parents might like better, and these new selves are what they think the parents are looking for, and what may win the parents' acceptance. So we're very creative as children. We figure out what's wanted and needed, and we'll fit ourselves into that, and it creates a greater sense of purpose and connection and and well-being for for ourselves. Often these steps are good adjustments to the family situation at the time, bringing the child some security and hope. The problem is that this new self, this all-competent, strong, good self that they may now try to be, is likely to be a fixed mindset self. Over time, the fixed traits may come to be the person's sense of who they are, and validating these traits may come to be the main source of their self-esteem. So... Ernest Holmes in his infinite wisdom said to learn how to think is to learn how to live. I probably say that every week because I think it's one of the great things about Holmes. So when we understand that maybe some of the selves that we believe ourselves to be 
Nothing wrong with those things, but maybe some of those things were based on this need to survive. And so once we start to mature and develop our own capacity and, and, and sense of self, you know, Candace Pert in the book says that self-awareness is so important because we spend so much of our times with ourselves. Would you not agree? I thought that was a wonderful line. She's passed away, by the way. She's no longer with us in form, but amazing, amazing researcher. Wrote the, um, the Secret Life of Molecules. The Molecules of Emotion. She wrote that book, too, The Molecules of Emotion. <laughs> got, I've got Reverend Connie over here and Laura feeding me stuff over there. But wonderful, wonderful information. So it's a challenge to believe in a greater future with where we've come from, what we've, what, what, the, but the ingredients of what has created a life. It's a challenge to believe in a greater future. So how do we do that? It's, because we all know there's something more to experience, there's something more to express, but I've got the sum total of how it was domesticated and raised, and then based on that, I've created opinions and strategies for survival, which become the sum total of what I believe, and as, as the teacher Jesus said, it is done unto you as you believe. Holmes said it is to learn how to think is to learn how to live. Well, how can I learn how to think when I have all these ideas already in place? And how do I shift and change that? You know, we may have the idea that I want to be healthy and I want to be happy and I want to have a productive and creative life, but if 95% of the sum total of, our, of, of what we memorize is negativity and judgment and criticism of ourselves and others, as soon as we start down the path of I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take charge of my life and I'm going, to, I'm going to plant new seeds of possibility, I'm going to be open to new ways of being, if 95% of our way of being is, is, is grounded in negativity, judgment, criticism, fear, anxiety, lack, all of those ideas... As soon as we have one thought, we can be floating along and doing really well, and as soon as we have one thought, but if that 95% is so strong, it just takes one thought to put us right back into the old self. And it's frustrating. But this is part of the journey. This is part of the waking up. This is part of moving in that, that direction. And I'm going to talk a bit. I'm going to share with you a process today that I think would be, be valuable to have, which was shared in the movie. But ultimately what happens, and we know this as metaphysicians, we create what we are expecting. We create what we're expecting. An example in the film, they showed a golfer. Now, a few people here have golfed with me. I have an amazing slice. I have hit park cars that you wouldn't even imagine that could be hit. So I'm not talking about my perfect golf swing, but I'm talking about there, there are people on the planet that have practiced a modality. And for this uh, illustration, let's talk about a golf swing. But if, if one is devoted enough and committed enough to, to, to repeat an activity and uh, say a golf swing over and over and over again, and the right adjustments are made, eventually you'll have a beautiful, beautiful golf swing. You'll have the same tempo. You'll have pretty much the same setup. There's a routine that you create where you place your feet, where you place the, your body position, how fast you swing the club head. There's all these little things that are impossible. I know for a fact that when you're playing a round of golf are impossible to adjust because it's too much at one time. That's why you practice. But the point is, is over time and given enough energy and effort, you can create a beautiful golf swing. And, it's, and then it becomes memorized. It becomes a way of being. And the same could be said for negativity. If we have memorized negativity, if we've memorized lack and limitation, then that becomes our way of being. 
And then so just as the perfection of the golf swing, because we've given devotion to, to perfect it and time and energy and adjustment along the way, the same could be said for our consciousness, for our attitude. And so if we bask in lack and limitation and competition and fear and all the things, and that may have been how you we were domesticated, then we have that memorized. The shift requires willingness. Willingness, willingness, willingness. It can be huge for us to simply be willing to step into a new possibility. And then the wonderful thing, as I said last week, is if we don't take responsibility for our life, who will? I mean, because nobody will, because nobody can. Even as much as we love and care about one another, we, we've got to let one another have their own experience. And so when we take responsibility, we understand that I created this situation as a sum total of my experiences, some I chose, some that I was just brought up in. Nobody's fault. But, but, but I'm, I'm creating based on that right now. And so I have the responsibility and the opportunity to know that what I created this with, I can create in, the new, in a new way. But then it, be, it be requires the memorization of something new. And what it requires is not just positive thinking, because positive thinking doesn't work. You know, our, our, one of our slogans is, change your thinking, change your life. Great slogan, doesn't work. But you have to start somewhere. Because I've changed my thinking about a lot of things over and over again. And nothing's changed because I keep changing my mind back every time I change it. So change your thinking and keep it changed works. So I may create the experience of my life of being broke, financially poor, poverty. Maybe that's all I've known. Maybe that's my family of origin, and that's the gift they gave me. And so how do I, so how do I process this differently? Because if that's my legacy and I'm carrying this forward, it's sort of like when we realize, you know, um, I can't remember what beautiful teacher said, statistics are for groups. You're not a group. You have an individual consciousness. And so if you buy into the statistic, you're probably going to statistically keep playing it out. Emmett Fox used to talk about genetic, uh, you know, families with genetics in common, someone, a family that uh, demonstrated a certain heart ailment. And what, what Emmett would say is that the, the, the sum total of consciousness that incarnated in that family group was similar, and similar in the respect that they were all going to manifest a certain physical characteristic, rather than this is something that comes from the outside, is imposed upon this family because it's a genetic weakness. Well, the genetic... Um, uh, situation in, in Fox's opinion was created by consciousness not by, the, not by the exterior forces and I just think it's interesting to think about that if we believe consciousness creates and so if we all if we, if we incarnate in family groups for the same experiences wouldn't it make sense that many times we have the same consciousness that it would be a propensity to create certain uh, conditions in form and as long as we buy into that then there's no opportunity for a new uh, circumstance so, if I create the consciousness I'm broke, what, so how I may process this content in a different way, so my process changes. I look at it and say, wow, I created this as a result of all my teachers, mentors, and the examples I received growing up, so that I can build the faith and the capacity to build a consciousness of abundance. Rather than say I'm a victim in this and it will never change and I've never had a, I never get a break and I never have enough to say, you know what, it's time for me to shift this consciousness. So how do I move into that? That's the question. How do I memorize something new that moves me into that? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But what we do in this, which is beautiful and powerful, and I think one of the most beautiful things that can happen to all of us is we break the pattern of being a victim. 
that we are victim to these exterior circumstances. Because when you're in victim consciousness, you're under chronic stress. Consistent, chronic, doesn't, doesn't let up. Our perceptions are not only our observations of reality, but they create our reality. In the, in the movie, it so beautifully articulates it, that that which we observe, we affect. And so our perceptions, you know, there's, a, there's an illustration in that movie that I thought was fascinating that I've never seen with a, a scientist that had made a little robot, a little thing that, that moved randomly and, it, and over time, and they put it in an environment, looked like about three feet by three feet. They put it in an environment where it moved and over time, because it was programmed to move randomly, it would cover every area of that environment. With little walls on it, it would bump into the wall and go the other way. Well, what they did with the, the, the um, robot is they put baby chicks, newly, newly hatched baby chicks next to it. And the baby chicks identified with it as mom. And so, um, and I know some of you are going, oh, what happened to the baby chicks? I don't know, but it's just for the... But don't go there with me right now. Anyway, let's just... They're all good. Oh, they all live long, happy lives. Let's just come to that agreement right now. Let's bless those baby chicks on their way. But they had a real mom, not a robot. I know, I know, no. But they, it was good for them. But anyway, they had, the, they had the robot. And so the baby chicks bonded with this, this form that they thought was their, their mom. And so what they did then is they built a little pen that was open on one side. And here's all these little baby chicks looking down on this robot in the environment. And they're looking there, and there's, there's a whole bunch of them, you know, maybe a dozen, two dozen. I, I, they're all clumped together. And what happened with this robot that was programmed to do this randomly, once the chicks bonded, the robot stayed on the one side of the environment where the chicks were. And I thought, wow, that's remarkable that the consciousness of baby chicks would take this random robot and bring it over to the side where they needed it to be. And you, you see baby chicks influencing something in form, and you think, well, how powerful is our consciousness? You know, where I'm, where I'm uh, hypnotized or I've memorized negativity... What am I doing to my environment? You know, if I believe I'm a victim, and we believe consciousness precedes experience, then if I'm, if I'm married to that, uh, that mindset, I've got to keep bringing people in to play that out with me, to victimize me. And, and so it's like, wow, I don't, think I, can, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. So what happens for most of us, we don't change until it becomes so painful that we can't stand it anymore. I can't take these feelings anymore. Man, I got to go down for a Sunday service at the Center for Spiritual Living in Edmonton and get this all turned around because it only takes an hour. And you know it doesn't. It's a lifetime of work. So what happens for us with this, our deepest, we play out in our lives our deepest habits of thought. The good news, and it can be the, the depressing news at times. And nobody can change that for us but us. And so, how can we have a different perception about the same facts that come in our lives? Or whatever it may be. To, but, but see, but it's our choice to, to shift and change our perception about what happens to us. There's where we have the power. See, if I stand with you and say, I understand who I am and whose I am. That I'm an individualized expression of the infinite, which really doesn't do a lot, but it's the starting point. That's why we start with prayer. There's one life. That life is spirit's life, and that's the life I am. That's high invocation. That's sacred invocation. And then whenever I place upon that, and then I consistently nurture so it becomes my memorized pattern, I start to support that experience in my life. 
Even if I've memorized 95% of negativity, it's, it's, it's the ability and the opportunity to change that. So what, one of the things that's required is study. To read, to learn, to explore, to have a new experience, awareness, repetition. Is the way that you are perceiving reality making you feel good inside? Does it inspire you? Does it inspire you? Because you can inspire yourself every day. How do I live an inspired life and stay inspired? And for all of us, it's different. I don't know how, to, I don't know how you inspire yourself. If you need me to inspire you, you know, you got work to do. Because you're only hanging out with me for a little bit. And I may or may not inspire you. I may annoy you. And that's my job. I am here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. (laughs) When we wake up in the morning, we can ask ourselves, how can I be a greater expression today? That's a wonderful question because when we ask, the answers will start to show. How can I be a greater expression of, of life and, and of the infinite today? How can I do that? What do, and what do I have to give up? What am I carrying with me that I have to release? Because I have to make room in here. It's all full of ideas and opinions. Some of them great, some of them not so great that I don't want to, I'm embarrassed to share. But they're there so that I have the opportunity to look at them and I can either shift and change them or use them for the fuel to move forward or I can just put them down. What do I have to be conscious of? What do you and I have to be conscious of? I'm asking myself these things too. I'm not just saying you need to do this. I'm with you. Believe me, I'm just giving a talk I need to hear. I'm just glad you guys showed up too. <laughs> but see, one of the wonderful things about this, and, and Einstein talked about it, Albert did. You wonder which Einstein, because a lot of people say Einstein, but they don't use this first name. Imagination is everything. Every great person believed in a future. Every great person believed in a future. And they they began to emotionally embrace that event, that future, before it even showed up. I mean, this is what Jesus did. This is what Buddha did. This is what Ernest Holmes did. There's a power for good available to all of us, and everyone can use it. And also on the spiritual journey, then it becomes as a powerful good that can use me. It works both ways. It's both and. Because sometimes we're in the first and second kingdom of consciousness where we're using it, we're working it. We step into the third kingdom, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not by my hand anymore. It's not by my hand. And so, you know, this, this, this opportunity in consciousness to shift and change is just so wonderful. I mean, what a gift. And how frustrating it can be at times too. Man, wouldn't it be great if you could just go back to sleep once in a while? Oh, that's their fault. You know, abdicate responsibility. But then I'm right back into kingdom one. (laughs) I'm stuck with myself again. Oh, golly. So the willingness to look inward is very, very important. The willingness to do that in that deep examination, to feel the... And we have to be willing to look inward and feel the discomfort and feel the fear that's alive there. We did a beautiful process yesterday in, in our foundations class with uh, 
uh, we did a fear to faith process of identifying an error belief. And it was so wonderful because people were like cracked open and it was just beautiful and wonderful because we need to look at it long enough and be uncomfortable long enough with it so that we realize this is just an old idea. This is a memorized pattern in my life that I don't need anymore. We don't pull it up to be miserable. We pull it up so that we can, we can get it out of here. You know, it's just like coming in here and cleaning and tidying this, this room up. You know, it's, it, we want to we pull together that which that we don't want in here to bring a tidiness and an order to it. And so we, we gather it up, we look at it for a second, we put it in the trash can and we take it out. And the same idea, the same metaphor applies in our lives that we've got patterns of being and patterns of ways of, of, that are memorized. And my, I'm, with it, I'm with you on this. But I also know that there's something, there's a, there's a world, there's an experience that I'm aware of and I don't know all the detail, details, but just like these great men have shown me that have gone before us, they saw a future. They saw a possibility. They saw potential. That's why we have visions in our life. You know, the vision of this organization is a world that works for everyone. Holy moly. Really? And it's not that, but it, it moves us in this direction. The way we start that is our lives work for ourselves. And it's the transformation of the consciousness that is so powerful. And, and it's to be able to look out in the world and say, I see what's happening, but I don't agree with that. That used to be my old memorized pattern. We don't, and then we don't have to wait for the crisis. We don't have to wait for, wait for the health challenge. We don't have to wait for the a relationship to fall apart. We don't have to wait for the job to go away. We can be proactive. We can be on the, the front edge of our own consciousness and our own awareness and, leave, and living a life of courage and of integrity and of honesty and, and clarity and being a, being a contagion for good wherever we go. And when people try to convince us otherwise, we can just simply say, it doesn't represent me. I used to do that. I know what that feels like, but I just, I, I won't, I can't join you in that. Because a lot of times people just want your agreement. They want to validate their memorized pattern of negativity. And I used to do it just because it was easy. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, life's hard. Life's hard. If we tap into our inner life and we have the courage to follow that inner life, we will always be, as Thomas More said, on the edge of our existence, on the very edge of our existence. What I love about you, I have to tell you how grateful I am for this opportunity to be with you and to have fallen into this, man. I've said many times, being a minister was never on my list, of, it was never on my bucket list. But what I get to do and what I, what, I, what I get the support for in this community is I get to be on that leading edge of consciousness and awareness and the development of it. And, and what a gift. What a wonderful, wonderful gift. Because what interests me when I look out in the world and I see the memorized patterns that are not as, as, as fully orbed in the expression of the infinite as I think are possible, then I get to look at it and say, how can we do this? You know, I see myself in that person and what's that that's going on there? Rather than, that, rather than judge it, but to say, how can I learn from this? What's the growth in this for me? How can, what, how can this experience move us forward, move me forward in my consciousness so that I continue to be transformed? Otherwise, I just stop. I stop the whole thing by saying, well, that person's crazy. Or I'm crazy. Or I'm a loser. Or they're a loser. Doesn't matter, we're all one. I mean, we're pointing fingers. There's, go like that, there's three pointing back at me right now. But what I'm saying is, so the point in this film was our opportunity is to do enough work in our own perception so it's not the content. 
It's not the conversation. It's what's going on beneath the content, what's going on beneath the conversation, what's going on at the level of consciousness. And then if I get to realize that I'm, I've been given this opportunity, which is a wonderful opportunity. You know, we're going down to John God, and one of the things they say down there is that the, the unseen entities um, say the, the, those of us in form are the lucky ones because we're in this rich, wonderful experience. We're in these bodies. We get to create. We get to, we get to do any, uh, so many more things that we have the opportunity to do. And I thought, wow, what an interesting perspective. Because, I mean, in the movie, they talk about the amount of suicide that goes on on this planet. There's a lot of people that, that buy into this memorized pattern of negativity and destruction, and, and, they, and it spins inward. And, and so, you know, I, I just read this morning that it said that depression is, is fear without, without the energy. You know, but so many people just feel so despondent and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, 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 stop. Because the same patterns in you that created that can uncreate that. And this work is happening and people are waking up and we are helping one another and assisting one another. But it's just an, an amazing amount of people that spin into the depression and give up. And so I just don't think that that's, I don't think that's a, I think that's a missed opportunity. So, in this, in this movie, and I want to share this with you, I want to do a little, short little process with you, because I want to give you something to, to think about. And so I'm going to invite you to put your things down, and if you're taking notes, you don't need to take any notes. If you'd be willing to put both feet on the floor and move your energy to your feet, it really grounds you. It grounds you in the dignity, it connects you to the, this earth, this presence, and this power. And I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and just breathe in the moment, and let, me, let my words guide you. But what I'm going to invite you to do is think about someone, a quality, someone that just inspires you, a great thinker, someone that each and every time something showed up would say, hmm, what's there for me to learn here? What can I, what can I grow into here? What must I become to live a life and think like this person? Maybe it's Leonardo da Vinci. Maybe it's a great inventor, a great Canadian, a great human being, someone that, that had such a great vision of, of whatever the quality is, of love, of joy, of freedom, of abundance. But think about that and dwell on that. And then understand, imagine, just take yourself in your imagination, this powerful imagination, and imagine, imagine yourself manifesting that experience right here and right now. Imagine that you are fully orbed in the experience of whatever it is that brings you to life in the most beautiful way possible, in the peace that passeth all understanding, in the love unconditionally for self and others, for the abundance to know that whatever you go, wherever you are, that there's enough for yourself and for others to do and pursue what it is that we long to express. Whatever it may be, it's yours. It's your temple of consciousness. And so it's beautiful. Just breathe in. What does it feel like? What does it look like? What is the word that bubbles up for you if you don't see or feel it? But feeling that feeling tone of, of success in this, fully orb, not contingent upon your past history or your futurizing of the possibility of how it may be difficult, but it's real here and now. Put that all down. Put those distractions down with love. No, 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 not right now because I'm fully orbed in this experience.
of something that brings me into a greater sense of aliveness. And so when you capture that feeling, when you, and if you don't capture it in this moment, it's there, it's awaiting. So how can I open? How can you and I open to that? But to bask in that feeling tone of abundance, of fullness, of health. Perhaps it's a health challenge. Every cell in my body expressing in peace and harmony and joy. Whatever area it may be, imagine that. And then as you imagine that, here's the key. Memorize it. Memorize it. I commit to memorizing this feeling, this abundant, powerful, wonderful, joyful feeling that represents health and wholeness, powerful, wonderful relationships wherever I am, celebrating my connection with others, my celebrating my connection with life. Understanding content is only content, but connection is what I'm after. And memorize that feeling tone. And we can do this on a daily basis. We can go there in a couple of minutes. And we start to break these patterns of addiction and memorization of negativity as we expand the possibility of imagination and fullness of the experience in our lives we become the thing itself we become the great thinker we become the great person that we long to express as those that have gone before us have they had no more gifts and talents and skills than you and I have but they were called to that vision they were called to a a, a powerful future And it became so powerful in them as it can become so powerful in you and I that we can't even consider anything else. Anything else that shows up in opposition to it, we just simply bless and say, no more, not anymore. I understand that. I learned everything I can from struggle, from lack, from judgment of myself and others. I move into this feeling tone of abundance and joy and grace and beauty and health, vitality, a world that, live, that works for everyone, including me and you. And so I just give thanks to know that this opportunity to memorize and break this pattern is here and now. This opportunity for you and I to shift our process of what happens to us into one where we understand at a deep and wise level that it is all here to support us and move us forward powerfully, wonderfully, and beautifully. What a gift What a gift this is. And we can do this on our own. So I just bless this. I thank you for this experience together. I'm thankful to know that as I impress upon this infinite intelligence, this higher wisdom self that lives within me, I remind and request and demand that I be reminded each and every time I forget that my imagination can take me there. I'm reminded and guided when I start to spin in the negativity and the lack that my imagination of the bigger idea and the possibility is what is being given birth with inside me. And that changes everything for everyone. It's a beautiful thing. And so I invite you when you're ready to open your eyes, come back to the room. Thank you for your love, your consciousness, your imagination. So it is.